Welcome to another episode of TreeSale Podcast. My name is James Chu. I'm the head of investment solution at TreeSale. Today, I'm joined by Jerry Salaya, our chief strategist. Hi, James. I want to talk about banks again, a topic that's probably losing a bit of steam this week. But I understand that actually, uh, John and you, John Carvey is our chief economist. Uh, John and you, Jerry, have done a podcast last week about banks. Perhaps a quick recap of what you discussed? Yeah, basically, we talked about banks and the fact that a lot of them do go under during you know, economic cycles. Mm-hmm. And I think John made the point that we fully expect the broader market for banks to recover mm-hmm. after this knock. John went through you know, the, the, the idea that the lessons from 2008 have apparently have should have been learned. And in the Eurozone, the lessons from obviously the banking crisis, 2011, 2012. And one of the things that basically came through was that banks do have a backstop from central banks, even though that backstop may be in the form of being forced to merge with uh, bigger <laughs> banks. Yeah. And I guess the surprising thing that happened after our podcast was Credit Suisse uh, AT1 uh, bondholders <laughs> being uh, wiped out before yeah. the shareholders were. I think that's something that's going to be settled through lawsuits. And who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll take some of this uh, action back or something. Yeah. But at the moment, it looks like Switzerland is marching to, to the beat of their own drummer, if you will. Yeah. Because we'll they seem to be another. there. Okay. Yeah, we we'll talked about it a little bit. Obviously, I think when you recorded the podcast that was before the shotgun marriage, yeah, and clearly, even the Swiss National Bank actually uh, gave up their idea of having two national champions by forcing them to merge. Yes. Anyway, let's talk about the, uh, a bit more about banks. I know that actually, uh, in general, you you both, uh, I think Teresa will as well agree, is that the banking sector would be fine. But we still got a lot of advisors and I spoke to some product providers. They have it's still concerned that actually there are uh, a banks like Chris may go under. Do you think there is what's the risk? We saw what happened to Deutsche Bank briefly last Friday, even though the CDS is no n- not at the level like Chris Swiss, but the stock dropped nearly fourteen percent before recovering a bit. Are we should we continue to be worried? Will things get worse? Sure. I mean, my basic outlook on banks has always been that I'm always worried because they do find banana skins to slip on. It's just one of those things that banks seem to do. Throughout my entire career in the markets, banks always find some way to mess up, right? Mm. However, that doesn't mean you avoid bank shares. It just means you buy them with one eye on risk. Now, with Deutsche, it's one of those things where there's always been a question mark over parts of Deutsche because it's such a huge bank. With regards to CDS market, the credit default swap market, as you and I both know, those aren't the deepest of markets, right? It's, it's 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 one of those things where a decent amount of money can push things. And my view would be that maybe somebody was thinking, okay, let's push this and see what happens. Because mm. that's what traders, hedge funds, speculators do, right? Because mm-hmm. they can't forecast the future with 100% you know, perfection. You put chips on the table and see how far they go. Sometimes it goes your way. Sometimes it goes your way a little bit and comes back. My view on Deutsche is that it's a big bank to try to pick on, right? So much of the bad news has already been in. So much is baked in. We all know their problems. Share price is not exactly setting the world on fire. So yeah, it's an easy one to try to knock down. But my view is that it's going to come back because 
it is what it is, right? They they make money despite all their mess ups. He yeah. says politely. I think the key difference between Deutsche Bank and Credit Suisse is Deutsche Bank is profitable, uh, whereas Credit Suisse is not. I think that's I, one of I the biggest the, worry. The the main problem with Credit Suisse is that it's had so much overhang for so long, mm-hmm. then there's only so much that an umbrella can hold up, right? Yeah. Um, they've done everything wrong you could do wrong in terms of, well, almost everything wrong you could do wrong, it seems, in terms of headline management, going back, uh, what, 2011, 2012? They had the big mm-hmm. blowout with somebody lost $2 billion. As you do, you lost $2 billion trading. And mm-hmm. then they had the whole management hiring mm-hmm. private detectives. I mean, this is horrible. You could uh-huh. make it, right? If this was a Mexican telenovela, right, nobody mm-hmm. would believe it. They say this soap opera is too unbelievable to be a soap opera but it's a mm. bank it's supposed to be a safe stodgy swiss bank that holds your money and advises you it's not mm. supposed to be something out of the monot- out of you know fantasy novel right so they've had a problem in terms of management they've had a problem in terms of share price and they had a problem in terms of messaging by a key investor and all that mm. in a wild weekend of regulators getting together and saying okay that's it we've had enough of you right i see so both, in a certain extent, Silicon Valley Bank and Chris, we share one common thing is basically they're not one run really well. <laughs> well, it seems to be. I mean, Silicon Valley Bank is one of the things that, to me anyway, um, came out of the blue because you don't expect yeah. banks not to manage the risk properly. It's banking 101. It's yeah. unmanaged risk. Yeah. Yeah. I think the biggest problem was they host these long-term fixed rate of bonds without hedging it back to floating rate. I think that was the biggest problem. I, it, it's it's basically, it, it's a, anybody who's run a bond desk or worked on a bond desk would realize that this is part of the problem of buying bonds, right? Sometimes yeah. bond values go down as interest rates rise. Yeah. And you dump them or you hedge them or you switch around your portfolio, but mm. you do something. You don't sit there like a, you know, you don't sit there and get punched in the face repeatedly for 12 months mm. without yeah. actually doing something. Apparently, someone dig into the balance sheet and financial and found that actually they used to hedge it, but because they need the profit, they actually unwind some of the hedge because they make money. <laughs> Always a good idea until it's a bad idea, right? <laughs> Anyhow, let's look at the regulators. Okay, if Jerry, if there's another bank, European, US, UK, etc., uh, uh, under pressure. Now, regulators have actually set out all these resolution regime, those rule books, especially for the big ones like Credit Suisse. Now, will they follow the rule book that they've done and basically that all these equity people or 81 people absorb all the losses and they won't put a penny to rescue the banks versus what happened to Switzerland where the regulator basically hastily arrange a shotgun marriage that is public open lawsuits do you think we'll, what will regulators do i think it, it's it's going to be a coin toss uh james Let, let's stick with mm. europe right i think within the eurozone they made it clear they much rather merge banks right that's what spain's done i think that's what italy's done and they'll okay. take the plaque right they'll say wipe out shareholders if they need to but depositors should have no fear because the last thing any central bank or regulator wants is depositors who take the money out of banks and put it under the mattress because it's safer, right? Even for those above the limit for the protection limit or insurance. I would limit. say yes. I, I know they mm. they're trying to create you know the the idea that moral hazard is something they're trying to lean against. But to be blunt, moral hazard pales in comparison to having uh, depositors take the money out of the system. You need yeah. the money in the system 
to fund loans, to fund growth, to fund any idea of hope of prosperity. That's just the way the modern economy works. Yeah. Right? Your money Probably. has to work hard. So it also reflects the confidence and trust. Exactly. Yeah, which exactly. is needed to meet the banking system works. Yes. And I think that's the thing that triggered uh, the Swiss regulator and the Swiss mm. National Bank was the idea that Credit Suisse was losing 10 billion francs a day in deposits. They were just going, this this is incredibly bad. Yeah, I know. We've got to do know. something. Yeah. So as far as Eurozone banks are concerned, John and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We take the view that most depositors will always be covered uh, because that's just good for the system and that the regulators, national central banks, ECB, if they get involved, uh, national regulators would basically take the view that we'll be happy to merge banks, we'll be happy to wipe out bonds, AT1 shareholders, and even you know bondholders if they have to. Yeah, the bond, for example. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think there's that many banks at the moment that are wobbling that hard within the years, mm. in my view. Not not the big banks anyway. Yeah, they're the pretty ring fence. They built up all sorts of balance sheet protection. So we think most of them are going to be fine. In the U.S., there's still all sorts of different problems with regional banks in terms of people don't know if they've done a good job with uh, managing uh, the rise in interest rates in terms of their bond holdings. And they are susceptible to fast deposit outflows, right? Mm. And today, there's going to be a bunch of regulators on hotspot and they're going to be talking to Congress about, you know, yes. where did you go wrong? And my view is the regulators would be well-placed to tell Congress, well, you lowered the regulatory oversight rules because that's what you wanted to do, right? Back in 2018. Correct. And it's one of those things where they're going to be pointing fingers at each other for no apparent real gain for anybody. But yeah, the key things are, I would hope Treasury Secretary Yellen has learned not to backtrack on depositor guarantees, basically saying, yeah, yeah, we've got your back. Yeah, 250, maybe higher if we need to. But nobody's going to lose money by putting money in a bank in the U.S. Yeah. How about UK? That's, that's then? probably the key thing. The UK. Yeah, I don't know if you heard um, Governor Bailey today, but basically they're saying the UK is different. The UK is fine. The UK's got all sorts of good things going. You and I both know NatWest or RBS is still three <laughs> percent owned by the government. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, that yeah. sums it all up, right? Yeah. <laughs> in terms of risk, the um, UK have the ring fencing regime, which makes some difference. Yes, it does make a difference. I think the UK has learned hard lessons from things that went really, really bad back mm. in 2008. Okay. Northern Rock, right? Mm. Just stands to reason. And to be blunt, there will be a mess up in the UK at some stage because it's mm. always something unknown that comes back and bites a bank. And mm. that's what we all know about banks, right? They make yeah. money, they take risks. That's what they're there for. Yeah. Interesting. It looks feels like the regulators are in competition who is actually having the right <laughs> regime in place. Now, yes. look look a little bit forward. As things calm down, it seems that everyone, most commentators, economists, and analysts are thinking that actually the regulators are going to toughen rules more further on banks. Do you agree? Yes. I mean, that's, that's an easy path of travel. Um, mm. Probably the key thing would be to maybe increase the regulatory oversight maybe bring it back to the smaller regional banks in the States as well. In turn, mm. And and maybe toughen the regulations on the bank directors. I mean, where were the shareholders? Where, where were the guys who run the banks when all these things mm. got in trouble, right? Mm. Why why was Credit Suisse lumbering along with such lousy management for so long? I mean, all these key questions, right? Yeah, I think that's a governance question, isn't it? Yes. So we always talk about ESG, and I think this is the thing that actually, from an activist perspective, they could do more work on the bank. Yes, agrees. ESG concerns can be a key thing. Yeah. For 
Now, I'm being cynical here. I always think regulators regulate backwards. In other words, they, they, the regulation they put in are only as good as what happened last time. They could deal with what happened last time, but not going forward. Now, with that in mind, actually, and with more regulations coming, do you think actually it's a good idea to hold bank shares? I think Terry Smith actually just come out recently on the FT and say, it's a it's dumb idea to hold bank shares. But some people pointed out that Warren Buffett actually hold, invests in banks, albeit not directly in shares sometimes, and he seems to be doing very well. What do you think? I, I think in the UK, we give a lot of credence to big name fund managers sometimes. My view in Terry Smith is he's done very well by holding Microsoft for so long. Mm. And it's just one of those correlation things, right? And mm. you can do the homework yourself. But my view on bank shares is yes, during certain cycles, you do want to hold bank shares. And let's face it, they crashed in 2020, and then they went up remarkably strong. A lot of them doubled, some of them more than doubled. So it's mm. one of those things where horses for courses, and I think for stock selectors, theme selectors, thematic investors, anybody who does sector rotation, then banks are something you basically are part of your portfolio and part of your you know arrows in your quiver, if you will. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. at certain stages of the economic cycles, you do want to hold bank shares. At certain parts of the cycle, you definitely do not want to hold bank shares. And anybody who buys indices, and this, you know, we all know passive investing is a huge thing. I mean, it's going to get bigger because the costs are so low mm -hmm. and the index providers do a decent job of you know, trying to provide indices for almost any scenario. But if you hold a broad-based index that covers, let's say, the S&P 500 or the FTSE 100 or things like that, you've got bank shares. You've got bank exposure because that mm. is part of the indices. In the UK, HSBC is a huge part. NatWest is still there, right? So it's mm -hmm. one of those things mm -hmm. where you can say what you like about bank shares, but they are part of the investment process for most people. True, true. And also, thing, actually, the, the one of the thing, the headline I saw, interestingly, as you and I know, that deposit has gone into money market funds. And yes, lots of deposit. Yes. Now, obviously, who run big money market funds? Uh, obviously, we know the, the, the BlackRock, etc., the human fund management firm. But it also include big banks like yep. JP Morgan, yep. big European bank like BNP Paribas, who own this thing. So suddenly, you feel that actually, I know it's is quite odd to put your money into these mega banks because they're so systemic important. But there's puppetry where money will be worth you want to select which bank to, to invest in. Maybe these are the ones compared to the smaller regional ones. That's two different things, James. But yes, you're right. Basically, in terms of deposits, I think that was one of the big flow stories from a couple of weeks ago and maybe even last week is that people in the States are putting money into big banks rather than their smaller regional banks. Keep mm. in mind, the U.S. has you know, thousands of banks, right? And most banks, to be blunt, aren't banks. They're credit unions or savings and loans. And they're the you know, local shop down the road, which is something in the U.K. we haven't seen in a while, and they keep disappearing. But in the mm. States, you still have physical brick-and-mortar banks in neighborhoods where you can mm. say, that's my bank. I know my banker. My banker knows me. Yeah, 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 I yeah. belong to that credit union or savings and loan for mm -hmm. a reason, because I'm part mm. of that profession, I'm part of the military, I'm part of, you know, veteran, I'm, I'm part of the teachers union, whatever reason, and that's my local credit union. And to be blunt, most people don't worry about exceeding the maximum $250,000 FDIC limit, 
because they don't have $250,000 yes. locked up in the bank in cash. Right? Yes. They've got money in CDs. They've got money in money market funds. Yes. They've got money and in their house. And if they go above it, they could actually go try to go, like you said, go to CDs, money market fund, or open other bank accounts. Correct. And the Fed, or the federal government, has always taken the view that they will, quote unquote, protect the buck of most money market funds, right? You put mm. a dollar in, you take a dollar out. Great. And right now, rates are 4.5%, 5%. That is a great rate for short-term money if you're a saver, yeah? So one of those things that we've seen this huge move into money market funds in the States is because rates are so high. Now, if the Fed is saying we're going to get inflation down at 2% and you can lock in 5% for three-month money, six-month money, mm. or even one-year money, let's say above 4%, mm -hmm. then you're on a winner, yeah? Because you are you are making real interest rates for the first time in a very long time. Right? Yeah. So there's a reason why people are doing what they're doing, which is pretty much money market funds. Okay. Last question. As someone who is from America, Jerry, do you think US Bank will be, as you said, a thousand of them, or will they consolidate like in Europe and in Japan? Yes, I think it's one of those pressures that there's always on in terms of consolidation. Every single bank analyst you ever meet will always say that there's going to be consolidation. There's too many banks. They've got to consolidate. That way they can make more money. However, I think given the dynamics of the U.S. economy and, quote unquote, the ease at which you can open a bank, I think there's a strong desire for people to open banks because they, they know they can actually do well. If you run them well, you can make money running a bank in America. So it's one of those things that to me has always been a puzzle why there's so few banks in the UK, right? However, we are seeing digital banks in the UK, which is great because they offer people convenience and they compete with the big banks that are already in place, right? Correct. It's one of those things where, in my view, the more banks, the merrier, because you need competition to drive innovation. I agree, 100%. And to bring down agree. the cost for the average business or consumer. So, yeah. yes, there's going to be pressures to consolidate, especially if the pressure on regional banks remains strong. But I hope and I expect banks to hold up and in the States not come down to like five big banks. But to taking another view, in terms of deposits, we've already seen that in the States for some time now, where the biggest banks have a huge concentration of deposits, right? Mm. So it's one of those things where I hope that that's not the trend that continues. <clears throat> Excellent. Okay, with that note, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we will have other podcasts uh, related to different market issues and also on jargons and understand how market works, investment, uh, asset allocation and strategies. Pay a visit to our website, 3CO-Advisors with an O.com. We have blogs. You could go to Spotify. You could listen to our old podcast as well. There are a lot of interesting resources for you. And obviously, talk to us if you have any questions about markets and investments. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And thank you, Jerry, for your time. Thank you, James.